We don't grow alone. We flourish when we do life together. To flourish means to grow or develop in a healthy way, especially as a result of a particularly favorable environment. Join me for conversations about growth and change as we talk about what it means to flourish and create the community you crave. You're listening to the Flourish Together podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Worley. This is episode 19, Infertility and My Journey to Motherhood. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Flourish Together podcast. I am recording this episode the day after Mother's Day. So happy belated Mother's Day to all of the mothers and the women out there that are listening who mother in some sort of way. Um, So today's episode is going to be uh, very personal. And just a little bit of a disclaimer before we jump into today's episode, I am going to be talking about women's bodily issues and functions, infertility, menstrual cycles, and general topics that surround the issue of infertility. If that is not something that you want to listen to or that makes you uncomfortable, I completely understand and invite you to uh, click on over and enjoy another episode instead. But I just wanted to throw that little disclaimer out there and let you guys know that that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. So the title of this episode is Infertility and My Journey to Motherhood. I struggled with infertility for quite some time when my husband and I finally decided that we were going to try to start to have a family. Infertility and the possibility of infertility was something that I had always had on my mind for quite some time, but that means different things in different seasons depending on where you're at. And my story of infertility and the struggles that I faced and that we faced as a couple. I've shared bits and pieces of my story uh, before. I've shared it with friends and family that have asked um, or inquired or when I've had conversations with people who are going through something similar. I've shared parts of our story, but I never have really sat down and shared it It's interesting because I've been blogging for well over a decade now. And during the time when we were like in the thick of this and really going through it, we didn't share our struggles and our story with very many people. Really, really no one close around us knew that we were struggling with this. My mom knew a little bit, um, the little bit that I shared with her. And during that time, there was no other reason of why not other than it was so deeply personal and it was so, um, there was a lot of shame for myself, um, feeling like, my body didn't work like everybody else's and not really understanding why it didn't. Um, And there just was a lot of feelings that I didn't know how to sort through and I didn't want to bother anyone with them. I didn't know how to talk about this. I didn't know how to share about it. And nobody I knew at the time that was in my friend group 
or church or anybody that I knew was talking about this. I didn't know anyone who was going through it. And if they were going through it, I wasn't aware because I didn't have other people in my life that were talking about it. And so it felt very lonely and very isolating. And I'm not really sure at the time if I could have told you why I didn't talk about it. Other than looking back in hindsight now, I know that I felt very shameful, like I said, and I felt very, um, I felt hopeful, but at the same time, I didn't want to get my hopes up, if that makes any sense. And so it felt like at the time, looking back, that if we would have talked about it and if it didn't happen, that there would have been a lot of disappointed people, including myself and my husband, that we would just have to relive all of this with. Looking back in hindsight, I wish that I would have been more open at the time when we struggled with this years ago. And I think that it's important now to share our story, to share my story. Um, It might be the same as yours. It could be different. But I believe so much in the power of sharing our stories. And I think that it matters no matter what you go through. We go through things sometimes to help other people when they're going through things. Um, We go through things and the Lord shows us things about ourselves. There's opportunity for growth and there's a connection that happens when you share your story, even if it's not the same as anyone else's, when you share these parts of yourself and and you're vulnerable. So I was what you would call a little bit of a late bloomer. I did not get my... um, first menstrual cycle until I was 16. And I had two years of cycles and then didn't have a cycle my entire first year of college. And I didn't really think much about that because like I said, I was a late bloomer. And kind of every time I went to the doctor, they would say, oh, you know, you're just a late bloomer. Like, it'll come. It'll happen. We're not concerned about anything. But then when I went to college and I didn't have a cycle that whole first year of college, uh, my doctor really just chalked it up to the stress of being an an incoming um, college freshman and just the stress that comes with, you know, being away from family. I went to school out of state and I was away from my family for the very first time in my life. Just all these things, right? And so I really didn't think much about it until I went home that summer after my freshman year of college and um, started talking to my mom and we decided that I would go see an OBGYN for the very first time. And during that visit, we talked about you know, all these things, medical history, uh, cycle history and all these things. And there really was no answer that they gave me. And the solution was to um, put me on birth control to help regulate my cycle. Looking back, I wish I would have known how to advocate for myself better, uh, but I didn't even have a clue of where to start. And I just remember the OBGYN at the time telling myself and my parents that it wasn't healthy for me to not have a regular cycle. And the best way that they could regulate it was for me to be on birth control. So at 19 years old, I went on birth control and I was on birth control 
for many, many years. Um, I can tell you that I didn't like being on birth control. And so I remember when I graduated college, I was 22 years old at the time when I graduated college, I went off birth control because I hated the way that it made me feel. And I just thought, you know what, if I don't have a cycle, I don't even care. (laughs) Um, Because I just did not like the way that I felt when I was on birth control. I felt like my moods were all over the place. Um, Well, although it did regulate my cycle, it um, made me feel a little bit psycho if I'm being honest. And I know there's a lot of women out there who have struggled with the same thing of being on birth control and not feeling like they could get the brand or the dosage or, you know, whatever. Um, right. And so I started to just once again, have irregular cycles after I got off the birth control. And then a couple of years later, I ended up I got married when I was 24. And so right before I got married, I think six months before I got married, I went back on um, birth control. And my husband and I, when we were dating, I remember I remember telling him when you're having all those kinds of conversations about marriage and kids and future family, I remember telling him um, pretty, pretty early on into dating each other. Uh, because we had conversations about marriage pretty early on when we were dating. And I remember um, it was the first time I'd had to have that kind of conversation um, with somebody that I cared about, somebody that I wanted a future with, uh, having that conversation of, I don't know if I can have children. I don't know how hard it's going to be. That was something that as I was on uh, birth control throughout my early 20s and the doctors, my OB would talk to me about. And, you know, when you're 16, 19, 22 years old, and you're not thinking about marriage and you're not thinking about a family, when your doctor is talking to you about your future family and if you want kids, and that's the furthest thing from your mind, it's really kind of hard to wrap your mind around what that means for your future when that's not where you're at and that's not the season that you're in. And so the first time that I really had the realization that my infertility or my um, not having a regular cycle would affect somebody else. And so my husband and I were married for we're, uh, a year. And shortly after our first anniversary in 2008, we decided that we wanted to start trying for a family. And we tried for about seven, seven and a half months, which doesn't seem very long um, when you think about people who have struggled with infertility for longer than that. But I knew that after seven and a half months that something was wrong and that I needed more answers because in that seven and a half months, I still was not having regular menstrual cycles. And so if anyone's listening who's tried to conceive and tried to have a baby, you know, you need to ovulate and you need to have a cycle. And if you're not doing that, it makes it very hard to conceive. And so I decided to go to my OBGYN and um, I talked to her about my irregular cycles. And this was something that we had been talking about, you know, many 
months, you know, prior to me going in for this, this visit after trying for this long. And so that was when we kind of had the conversation of this is how long we've been trying. She took into account, um, had gotten all my previous medical records, um, from prior years when I was a teenager and in my early twenties. And she, she diagnosed me with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which I will refer to in the rest of the podcast episode as PCOS. And this was the first time that I had heard anything about, about PCOS. Um, none of my doctors ever when I was a teenager or in my early twenties had ever talked to me about PCOS. I'd never even heard it before. And so my my OBGYN, my current OBGYN that I had when I was um, married and, um, you know, she talked to me about this and she, you know, educated me about what this was. And um, she had me start tracking my ovulation cycles through taking my basal temperature for another month. And then I came back and saw her again. And, you know, she just confirmed with my medical history and tracking the basal temperature and not having any ovulation during that next month um, that she diagnosed me with PCOS. And honestly, when she talked to me about the symptoms of PCOS, um, which just really quickly, a couple of them are um, fluctuating weight and weight gain, um, struggling with acne. Um, PCOS is a disorder that affects certain hormones in the body and throws them off balance, which creates the struggle with hormonal acne or the struggle with hormonal weight gain and and these were all things that I had struggled with immensely through my teenage years and um, in high school and early into college. And, you know, I, I made all these kind of excuses. Like I remember, I mean, everyone always jokes about like the freshman 15 or, you know, different things like that when you go to college. Um, and I just always brushed everything off with stress or this is a stressful time and, you know, this is why my weight is fluctuating or this is why my skin is freaking out and having terrible hormonal acne. Um, and so when my OBGYN finally talked to me about having PCOS and diagnosed me with PCOS, it was such a it was such an answer to what what was going on with me and it felt some relief to feel like you know this is not my fault my body has not failed me and this is just something that i have that's giving me answers and it's giving me a way to manage it and that there is possible solutions for living life and dealing with having PCOS. And so I'm very grateful to that OBGYN that I had at that time in my life in that season that she really took the time to listen and take in my medical history and just really look into what could be going wrong here rather than just, you know, saying you have to be on birth control the rest of your life and that's the only solution. Um a good tip for managing PCOS is 
diet and exercise. And I hadn't really been doing any of that. I really wasn't very healthy at the time in my life in that season as far as diet and exercise. And so it was a big eye opener to start taking better care of myself. That seems like a no brainer um, when I say it now, looking back all these years, but at the time it was just kind of not at the forefront of my mind. And so she really gave me some tools to go on. And from those conversations and that trial and error with tracking my basal temperature and and tracking ovulation, she decided, my OBGYN at the time told me that usually they don't allow people to go on fertility drugs or do any kind of fertility treatments until you have been um, trying for a year. But she took into consideration my past medical history and the seven and a half months that we had been trying and no ovulation whatsoever. Um, and she allowed me to start fertility drugs that next cycle. And so whenever you're on fertility drugs or doing any kind of fertility treatments, you're heavily monitored, you get blood draws regularly, you know, all the whole thing. And, you know, depending on how long you are struggling with infertility, you know, that could be months or that could, that could be years. So we decided to start with taking the fertility drug Clomid and I did one round of Clomid and was able to conceive our first child. And taking the round of Clomid, taking these fertility drugs for the the month to promote um, ovulation. It just, it was, like I said, at the top of the episode, it was a weird, scary time. It was, I remember, I remember driving to the pharmacy and picking up those first round of fertility drugs, picking up the Clomid from the pharmacy and feeling so hopeful after so many months of trying. And, you know, like I said, nobody in our friend group or inner circle, if you will, really knew that we were trying. So we really did a lot of this like silently and to ourselves. And there was a whole other host of things going on around this time. Um, I had gotten laid off from my job months prior and was looking for jobs and nobody was hiring. And so there were so many factors in this season where it was like, things are so hard and life is so unsure. And now we're trying to start a family and we're trying to have a baby and that's not working out either. And so many things in this season were just compounded on top of each other that I just remember, like I said, when I went to go get those fertility drugs from the pharmacy that first time, the first and only time that feeling so hopeful after so many months of just sadness and disappointment disappointment, and feeling like my body just did not work and feeling scared that what if I wasn't going to be able to have my own children? And, you know, I'm the type of person where my mind just goes and races and I think about all the possibilities and what one thing could lead to and, and you know, you just start thinking about all these things and probably wasn't the healthiest thing at that time to let my mind wander. Um, but that's kind of where I was at. But 
Like I said, we conceived our first child on fertility drugs and I, um, we waited about 12 and a half weeks before we told anyone, our families, our friends, because we struggled with infertility. Um, we really wanted to make sure that we waited until the, the quote unquote safe period where miscarriage wasn't as much as a risk. And, um, and then we told our families and I gave birth to a beautiful, healthy baby girl in March of, uh, 2010. And, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen with my body, my OBGYN in between all of that, getting pregnant with our first child, we moved across the country to Arizona shortly after we conceived. Um, it was like a month and a half later, we picked up and moved across the country. I had to find a new OBGYN and transfer medical records and, you know, let them know what was going on and, and everything. So when it came time to think about having another child and trying for baby number two, we had no idea what, how long it was going to take if we were going to have the same struggles. Um, Luckily, coming from a person who basically did not have a menstrual cycle for a large majority of my adult life, after I had my first baby, I suddenly became pretty regular um, with my menstrual cycle, which was a shock um, after struggling so many years and not having one. But it was really helpful um, to be able to once again track my cycle and we were able to conceive our second child without the help of fertility drugs this time. And I consider it such such a blessing. I'm so thankful. I I I would have been thankful either way if if we had to start all over, but it was just such a sweet confirmation to me from the Lord that my body was working. So even though my journey to motherhood and our journey to parent parenthood has not been traditional or easy or without tears and struggles and frustrations along the way, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change what we've been through. And it's made us stronger in our relationship with God. It's made us stronger as a couple. And for a long time, I believed the lies that the enemy wanted to tell me that our story didn't matter, that it didn't matter because we didn't struggle as long as another couple, or that it didn't matter because we only did one round of fertility drugs and there's so many other couples and families who have done more than one. And for many years, I bought into that lie and I believed that lie and I didn't share our story because I didn't think that it mattered. But after a lot of counseling and prayer, God really opened my eyes that our story is ours. It's no one else's, that it matters and it matters to him. So if you're listening to this podcast episode today and you feel like your story doesn't matter, whether it's your struggle with infertility or a struggle in your marriage, a struggle with a friendship or a relationship, whatever you're struggling with. 
it matters and it matters to God and our stories are worth surrendering and they're worth sharing with other people. So I hope you guys found this episode of the podcast encouraging. I know there's a lot of women out there, a lot of families that are struggling to conceive. And my hope and my prayer for all of you is that you would find encouragement um, just in our time together. And my prayer is that you keep going and keep trusting the Lord uh, with whatever season that he has you in, with whatever your struggles are, that you keep leaning on him and trusting him. So thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Flourish Together podcast. It's always my treat to spend a little bit of time with you guys on Tuesdays when these episodes come out. If you guys have not yet given the show a rating and review, I would love for you guys to jump on over to iTunes or whatever listening app you are enjoying the podcast on and leave us a rating and review. Ratings and reviews really help move the mission of the podcast forward, and it also helps other people find out about the show as they see it pop up in their feed from your recommendations. To find show notes to this episode, freebies, and more, jump on over to my website at andreamworley.com and check out everything on the site that's there for you. And you can follow me on Instagram or social media at Andrea M. Worley. Thank you guys for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.